0: Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that
1: by your Holy Spirit and through your word, you would give us more and more understanding of who you are and what's important to you. Help us to know and understand your will and to see the truth of who you are.
0: In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to seek today
1: to understand God's will. Now, I will readily say that it is highly unlikely that God will reveal his full and complete and perfect will to you through me. Not likely to happen. But There is some amazing truth in God's word for today, especially in this Ephesians text that is the basis of the sermon today. And I want us to hear it, and I hope it will both inspire us and guide us into our lives with gratitude and praise to God for the grace that he gives. I wanna start by acknowledging the Old Testament lesson. Maybe mostly because I think that there's still some part of my own heart and mind that, that that understands that I, in and of myself, don't measure up. And that as I see others in my life, I see that they don't measure up either. And so in Amos, when we hear these words, I will test my people by this plumb line. We realize that our lives are not in plumb. Our lives are, are off a bit. And that if we are measured according to the standards of God, the, the holiness of who God is, we fall short. We, our lives are not in alignment as God would want them to be. This word in Amos continues with this phrase that says, I will no longer ignore all their sin. Sometimes, when we hear that, what we hear and what we apply to our lives even today is if God doesn't ignore our sins, we're in trouble. And what I want to say to you is it's clear from our text today, it's clear in this Ephesian story that God does not, God will not
0: ignore sin.
1: Now that may sound scary. And I will tell you this, when, when our sins are pointed out, when, we, when our lives are measured against that plumb line, we're likely to respond in the same way that Amaziah does, and that is find a way to to silence the teaching or the teacher. Try to move away from anybody who's going to point out where we fall short and how we fall short. That rarely works in our lives, but I think we do it all the time. It's our way of saying, we don't want to hear it. It's our way of of living in denial of the truth of our own shortcomings. Because, quite frankly, we don't know how to handle them. And even when we've tried over and over again, we've failed. And so, let's listen to how Paul speaks to us in his letter to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians has two primary themes. The first theme is that Christ has reconciled all creation to himself, to God. And the second theme is that Christ has united people from every nation into one church, his church together. And so we need to understand, how does that reconciliation happen? On what is this, this unity of the church based? Because I can be real clear with you, it is not based on our common understanding of the teachings of the scripture. It is not based on our common doctrines or Lifestyles or music preferences or worship styles, those are greatly varied. And so what I want to say to you is that it is not based on us. Neither our reconciliation to God nor our unity together or our reconciliation to one another is based on us, on our behavior, on our merit.
0: It's accomplished through what God
1: does. And it's free. It's done by the one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's received by us by faith through grace. It is a free gift of God, as it says other places in Ephesians. And therefore out of that work of God, we are able to live with gratitude in our hearts and in our lives and in our relationship with God
0: and with others. Almighty, sovereign God
1: has chosen by his will to forgive us, to bring us into his family, to make us his children by adoption through Christ. He blesses us with this gift. And so our text today begins with these words, all praise to God. God gets all the glory, all the credit. And this is a recurring theme throughout this text and throughout scripture, all glory to God, both because of who he is and because of what he does for you and for me. And what I want us so deeply to understand from our text today is what God does for you and for me. And to believe that, to to embrace it in faith, to trust that God indeed give the very thing that he promises us, he gives us in Christ. It's not that we deserve it. It's not what has been done that flows from us but what God has done that flows to us. This text tells us that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. There's this incredible exchange that happens in Jesus. Jesus takes what is due to us and he gives us what is due to him. And we receive this eternal blessing. How? By being united with Christ. Because we are united with Christ. That that God unites us with him. That is, again, gives us the very thing that Jesus deserves and, and takes on himself those things we deserve. And here's the thing about this that I think is such a powerful thing for us to think about. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in
0: Christ.
1: This isn't simply a response of God to us. This is God's intention and design from the beginning. And it goes on to say that he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now, I've often struggled with this text because what I hear is that God's choice, God's desire is for us to be holy and without fault. And I look in the mirror and I see I'm not holy and I have plenty of faults. And so I'm thinking, well, that might be what God wants, but that's not my reality. And it's because we
0: miss the first words.
1: In Christ, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy
0: and false. It's because
1: Jesus is holy. And faultless. and it's in him that we are granted that reality. We are given what is due to Jesus and Jesus takes what is due to us so that in God's eyes, we are as Christ, holy and faultless by his work,
0: by his design, by his gift we're called to believe that true gospel message. Instead, too often, we believe what we see in the mirror. We believe what we know to be what is due to us. And we think that's what we're going to get. And Jesus says, no, I've taken that for you. Now you get what's due to me.
1: God decided, in advance, the text says, to adopt us into his own
0: family. He looks at us. He knows our brokenness. And he
1: redeems us. He chooses us and brings us into his family. We take on his name his blessing, his eternity, because he's made us his own through Christ. This is what he wanted to do. This is God's will for me and for you. I still have to remember that this is the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel isn't that God wants or expects me to live perfectly. God knows full well that isn't gonna happen and hasn't happened before. This is what God wanted to do. Reconcile us through his son. Forgive us, redeem us, choose us, love us. Receive us as his own by his power, by his will, by his work, not by ours. It is grace, and it is God's pleasure to give that grace to you and to me and to, and to share that grace with others in the world. Why? So that we praise God for his glorious grace.